I'm Kendall. And I'm Bree. And I'm the guest, Simon. And this is When the Lights. Goes out. Goes out. Yeah. No. <laughs> Together. I thought you were gonna be like goes, and I say out, and no. then you split it. Okay, wait. Together. One more time. One more time. And this is when the light goes out. out. <laughs> no. All right, I got it this Just time. One more time. Okay. From the top. <laughs> and this is when the light goes out. There we go. That that was better. Fourth oh my god. It, fourth time. I cut out the I cut out the third one. The other two are cute. That that was cute. That was funny. I'm dead. Ah, wow. Well, oh, wait, what are you going to say? I was like maybe we should put like a little um at some point like what do they call it? Like um bloopers. Oh, yeah. You know, Brie did talk about that, putting in bloopers. We should do yeah, that. Yeah, like at the end of the year. Yeah, we're definitely going to do that. Uh, we have our Patreon getting built by me. <laughs> I'm working on it, so uh, I'm excited. Yeah, let's definitely put in bloopers. Um, at some point, let's do some silly, like, video shit and just mess around and just have fun with it. Deal. Deal. I love that. Oh, and just so you guys know, I had mentioned this last episode, but just wanted to give you guys a brief reminder. It's our 30th episode. Woo! <laughs> and um, this is technically our, like, season, well, I deemed it our, our season finale, so... Woo! Woo! <laughs> uh, we plan on coming back, I guess, quote-unquote, with our season two um, on May 5th. So that's, a f- May, I think, Friday, May 5th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Y'all are ready. I'm just saying. <sighs> yeah, it's we're coming. excited. We have some cool stuff coming up, and we're going to be doing some, like, I don't know. We're going to try to do different things outside the box and just have fun with the show. Have the Build the community in the show, too, and all of that. So I'm excited for that. Um... I was going to say something else. I just lost my train of thought. I, I don't know. It'll come back to me. But yeah, so that's that. Um, we want to make this episode really special. So I really want to have Simon on the episode because I was like, everyone, we all love Simon. I'm, I'm honored. Honestly. Yeah, I had to like work. I feel like <laughs> me and Bree had to like like work together to get Simon a good day to just yeah. record with us. It took a minute, but we got to it. That's yeah, why we're late. I just wow. want to thank my family and, you know, a higher out. power, whatever it may be, for Shout giving out. me this opportunity to be here. Oh, uh, you're on too this much. Podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, of course. No, honestly, it's great to be here. And no, I'm really proud of both here. Kendall and Bree for what they did with this podcast. Yeah. It's really been amazing to watch it grow. What a great, great feeling that it's just like, damn, we did this shit. That's, nah, that's just it's, it's an amazing like, feeling. You did this shit. Oh, yeah, I did. I did do this shit. Yeah. It, it started with an idea, and you guys were like, fuck it. Stop I was it. just like, let's go hit the car. I can't speak. <laughs> hit the ground running. Thank you. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> and I think like a lot of people do that, but not a lot of people do it well, guys. So yeah, for you, I agree. Mom. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> I might be biased, but I'm just saying. No, 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 no. He's not biased. He's right. No, I'm right. <laughs> Subscribe. Um, 
Right. Well, I had always... Oh, so, so I always do this thing where I put down, like, a couple of, like, uh, talking points in my notes before we start the show. And just to, so I don't forget, like, kind of funny things. One of them I have to just talk about is how Brie just has me on her purse. I just have to say that real quick because that was just really funny. But, um... <laughs> you know, I keep that motherfucking thing out and you never know when you need a mail packet, man. Dry ass burger. Mayo That's packet. all true though. I should start doing that. I don't know if I could just like carry around in my pocket, but I'm just like, I'm like, be- I need to carry around mayos, guys. I think about it, and I'm like, I have a burger that I buy from like Wendy's, and I'm like, that shit is dry. Yeah. Listen, and I have a really everyone makes fun of my purse because it's really small, and they wonder how I can fit so much in it. But listen, man. Oh, you are good at make that. Make the magic happen. I fit so much in that purse. Mail package. This is what's crazy to me is that like I've seen her try to pull out cards. Yeah. From her purse, and it's like impossible. So I don't understand how this mail packet. <laughs> like I don't understand like oh all her credit cards don't have mail on them. And the, the, the funny part of the, the story is, is Kendall thought I was yelling at Brie because I was like, what are you, what are you doing? What, what's in there? We're just trying to eat our dinner. And she pulls out a mail pack. He's like, what's wrong in there? Oh, yeah, I started laughing and he was like, Brie, are you crying? I, like, I really thought she was crying. She was laughing. Damn. I, my, my laugh does sound like a cry. I, <laughs> I like, do worry. Really I'm like, like, oh my God, that was so quick. She was so happy a minute ago. I was like, oh my God. My laugh is very heavy. I love it. Sis is Hermione with her purse. I love it. Uh, speaking of... I'll... I prefer to be the bitch from Halloween Town, the grandma with her purse. Oh, Mackie Cromwell. Mm-hmm. I remember her name. That's in my peace. purse, babe. Oh my God. That's, That's my peace. purse, babe. Speaking Maggie of Hogwarts, though, we were just talking about how we're the Hogwartos and how at least I'm a Hogwarto. No, we're talking about our um what is it, our like different House. houses and I think we would all be Slytherins for sure. I've we're, been told that a lot of times. Oh yeah. Like I definitely be a Slytherin. I don't know what that means though. No, it means that we're bad bitches. That's all it means. Hey. That's all you need to worry about. Hey. We're just talking about how we be in like the <laughs> We'd be in our like little like like what are their little segregated houses or whatever, and we'd be shaking our ass, be being off body and shit. Maybe boo, bitch. Hey, I'm not a We we be down in the dungeons, you know, like just doing what we doing. Oh, ooh. <laughs> in the dungeons, what's that? If you know what I mean, if you know what I mean, like I'm a snake. Goodbye. Slippery little snake. But God, this couple, I love them. Uh, no, I would definitely be uh, uh, acting a fool at Hogwarts. I'd be... We know. I'd be all around Hogwarts, I'll tell ya. No. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. I think that also led into us... We were, we were also talking about how... I think I had seen something about them trying to like redo like this uh, Hogwarts television show, which... Oh, uh, I cannot know, do that. Now that I think about it, what they're actually going to do from what... I understand is the game they just came out with. Oh, is it gonna be based on yeah, that? Yeah, it's gonna be based on the game. See, okay, I'm okay with that. I don't want another like retell of like Harry Potter. Like I love Harry Potter, but like we already heard it. And it's, it's done already... and it's done well. To I perfection. Agree. Like, like I it's, it is what it is. People are like mad because they left out like what they think are like important things from the books. But I'm like, I don't. It's know. It's very minuscule. It's said things. and done now. Overall, and it's, it's very minuscule things. Yeah. But I mean, I think. In my opinion, that's a problem when I'm having with like a lot of movies in that genre. Yeah. Is we're just rehashing the same thing. It's like I don't even want to see it. 
No, that's fair. I don't even want to see it for the most part. It's like, let me get something new, something different. Something, yeah, something, something like, underneath. Yeah, like, I'm I like, definitely oh, agree. who is this character uh, in this universe that I grew up loving? This is something different. You guys, know? I said it time and time again. I love movies so much. Specifically horror movies, but I love movies. It'll be so cool if I just, <laughs> spark idea, started a, a horror movie podcast. That would be amazing. Sometime down the road, though. That sounds fun. Anywho. <laughs> um, subscribe, then. You know. No, seriously, though. Oh, my gosh. Stick around. Um, stick around, please. Um, so we are at... Oh, we're almost at 10 minutes, so I don't want to waste too much time. Um, we can start getting into our little story for today. It's a... Spooky one. It's a spooky. It's a I spooky one. I have no one. idea what's going yeah, on. I didn't. This is going to be a surprise for me, just like <laughs> you guys. So, um, if you guys are listening, you can obviously see what the title is of it. But uh, Simon doesn't know right now. I didn't want to tell him because I was like, maybe he doesn't know, and if he doesn't, I kind of want to see what he thinks about this case because it's a good one. I think, in my in my opinion. So, <clears throat> cough cough. So the, a lot of the research that I did for uh, this episode specifically was from an author. His name is Dr. Edgar Epperly, and um, he has done tons of research for the uh, Velisca axe murders, which very big case. Have you have you heard of it? I can I see think, like I can I see think, like, but like go on. Okay. I think so. I feel like if I go on, like something will. Is click. this? Okay, I don't want to like just like guess and then ruin it all, but like I think is this the one where it's at like the that farm? I think. Yes, yeah, so you're yeah, already yeah, there. Yeah, you're yeah, already I there. Know, I know this. Okay, one. you yeah, do. Okay, yeah. okay. Damn, he always knows. He always knows these stories. Okay, well, anywho, <laughs> I have done a lot of my research from actually a book that I have read for this uh, case, and it's called Fiend Incar- um, Incarnate: The Velisca uh, Axe Murders of 1912. Edgar Epperly had written a lot of articles on the topic. He spoke on radio shows and on court TV, which I don't know what that is, but sounds important. And in relation to the case alone, he had also done a lot of just um, research that led him to write this book. And it was published in 2021, so pretty recently. Yeah, super recent. Yeah, and that was it's pretty interesting that someone dedicates that much of their time to like one case oh my god i couldn't i mean you see that with like journalists sometimes and stuff yeah they really get into it they can't yeah it's crazy how much yeah i agree and so this tale is a very somber story told in many different ways and many even today deem it to be the worst homicide in iowa history and i could probably agree it's a pretty pretty gruesome one it's gnarly it's gnarly and right before um we get into the actual story i just wanted to give a brief um just uh warning that this case does involve children's murders and um it is really hard telling children's murders anytime you tell a story um, I have trouble sometimes even researching it and like seeing pictures. Oh, it's just a lot. But um, this case is just, it's, it's fascinating beyond compare in the sense that it's just really, it's dark, but it's interesting. So let's see if Brie, Brie might have heard of it. I think I have. I feel like you've had to. Guess. There's no way you haven't. I don't want to guess, but I think I know what it is. Okay. Well, as we go on, I feel like they'll click. All right. So <clears throat> let me first paint you all a picture. In the early 1900s, Iowa was dedicated to the Union cause during the Civil War and the Democratic Party, being more North, 
at the time continuously clashed with the South and especially with Iowa itself. According to the book Fiend Incarnate, Villisca farmers thought themselves Republican owners and managers, not Democratic workers, even though their clothes were as sweat-stained as any factory labor all around, prohibition has was gaining strength nationally at the time. So Villisca, Iowa in 1910s was a very small town, about no more than like 2,500 people, so not a lot of people. No, it's tiny. Very tiny. Where a lot, if not most residents, owned two-story homes and a barn or maybe a couple extra acres of land for farming. This was often just enough space for some cattle or horses, so nothing huge or anything. A lot of homes looked pretty similar to one another, right houses. Um, it was one of those small towns where everyone knew everyone. I mean, of course, with 2,500 people, you would think you probably don't get around a lot. You I mean, for know. the most part, whoever your mechanic is, is everyone's mechanic. Everyone's a mechanic, yeah, literally that. Like, it's, which It's all connected. It's just the point, because that is kind of a bigger point later on in the case, that you usually have one person to do one thing. Well, sometimes, you know, competitors come into play and... Things happen. Things man. might happen. So, anywho, um, where had I left off? Sorry, guys. Uh, okay, so yeah, in general, um, small town, everyone knows everyone. There were a lot of small churches clustered in one central area of the town. Um, and there were a couple, like, schoolhouses or secondary schools for the kiddies up down the street. And like most cases are told, it was... told to be a town where people felt safe and where nothing bad could ever happen that's like the start of every bad story (laughs) it's like oh my god it's so sweet here everyone knows there's the church and then like yeah everything's just so nice it's just so plain there's no one here yeah that's a recipe for disaster steps us out (laughs) So, and where this story um, eventually takes us is to the house that sits on 508 East 2nd Street, Villisca, Iowa. But instead, we are going to start this story 30 feet west of their home, right next door, with a woman named Mary Peckman. On a brisk, foggy summer's morning, on June 11, 1912, Mary Peckman had woken up bright and early around 5 a.m., which... Could not do that. Um, that Monday morning to start her daily chores. She woke up, got dressed, and began cleaning her and her husband's laundry outside. While stirring the dirty garments in the hot bucket of water, she started to get a weird feeling that something had seemed off about her morning. Generally around the same time when Mary would begin her day, so were her neighbors. Those neighbors were known to be very friendly people and were always up before the sun would come up and they would hit the ground running and just start their chores right away. This family was known to be the Moore family. In this household was Josiah and Sarah Moore, along with their four children, Herman, who was 11, Catherine, who was 10, Boyd, who was seven, and Paul, who was five. Every morning, like clockwork, the children would get up and gather the eggs, tend to the horses, they would milk the cow, and then they would sell the milk um, to bordering towns around Villisca. Although, this morning was different. As Mary kept glancing over at the Moore's house, she noticed that the home was completely pitch black with no sign of the Moore kids tending to the chores. 
With growing suspicion after an hour or so had passed, Mary decides to pat her hands dry from wringing out the laundry and creeps over to the eerily tranquil home. She looks over to the back of the home, to the side where the barn was kind of sitting, and <clears throat> she is just seeing how, like, the horses are still tied up, the chickens hadn't been let out, and the cows were still also in the, the cattle together. So nothing happened to into like she had supposed. So she um, walks up to the home, and she tries peeking into the um, window facing west, so directly facing her house, but she doesn't see anything past tightly drawn curtains. So she walks around to the front door and finds that box. So the next, uh, so next, Mary decides maybe they overslept. I mean, makes sense. Only human. Which, yeah. quick note, <laughs> I couldn't think about the fact that my neighbors could be in that kind of like predicament where I'm like, something's going on, like is something wrong. Because I feel like my, I like in my neighborhood, like my neighbors, I feel like are always having their curtains drawn, and I feel like I do too. So like I kind of get that. I don't know. Like, if they didn't, you'd be like, what's going on? I would never know. <laughs> I would never know. It wouldn't brush trust me. So I'm like, Mary, you on top of it. Josiah owned a hardware store up the road. That Josiah's the father, by the way. And he was very dedicated to opening up the shop every single morning, and especially on a Monday morning. Always woke up, was always on time, always, always there. Well, because Mary could not enter the home or figure out what was going on, she goes back into the barn, unties the horses, and lets the chickens out. With growing concern, Mary decides to give Josiah's brother, Ross, a call to see if the family had been maybe left for the night or something for some reason. But to his knowledge, they were all supposed to be home. Even Ross's wife, Jessie, had assured Mary that they had no idea why the house would be so dark and silent at that time of day. So now, with a worried brother, Ross now is wondering what the fuck is going on. Not a direct quote, but, you know, I'm sure you can imagine. Like, he knows his brother. He knows, he knows his brother. Yeah, like, what's going on? This dude's... I'd be worried, too. Yeah. I mean, if I knew my like my family got up like clockwork and I'm like, something's going on. Like, I want to know, obviously. Well, being in a family business, if I didn't show up, oh my God, people yeah. would be like... Oh, shit. Like, what is going on? What is going on? Even their customers would. Yeah. No, seriously. So... Now a worried brother, Ross is wondering, of course, what's going on. So he dials Josiah's job. Josiah, remember, works at the hardware store. Mm -hmm. And he sees if he had maybe came in earlier for some reason. Why wasn't he, you know, at home? What's going on? So when Ross had dialed, the store's clerk had answered. His name is Ed Sully. So he answered, and to Ross's surprise, his brother never came in that morning. And it seemed even stranger that he had no prior notice. Again, it wasn't normal. He wasn't one to miss a shift. So what the fuck is going on here? So Ross decides to investigate for himself and he heads to the home. All the while, Mary, the neighbor, directly contacts Josiah's employee, Ed, and tells him, do you mind closing the store temporarily to help me feed the animals and tend to some of the chores until Ross can make it over to the Moore house? Ed decided to say yeah, and he came over around 7 a.m., partially helping. He didn't really do a ton, but he helped a little bit. And until Ross had pulled up around 8.15 a.m. So Ross converses with Mary and Ed to ask more questions, and then he attempts to peek through any of the windows around the house, but every single shade had been tightly drawn. So instead, Ross takes out his 
set of skeleton keys to which one does end up unlocking the door of the west parlor door and he enters the home excuse me when he opens the door the inside of the home appeared to be pitch black I probably wouldn't go any further. <laughs> yeah, no, this wraps. I'm done. <laughs> I wouldn't even have done it, to be honest. Uh, Get the fuck out of there. No, I'm, I'm getting, like, heaps just, ugh. Okay, anywho. It was even stranger because not only was every curtain drawn, but someone had purposely hanged a dark cover over the front glass door so no one could look inside. Spooky. Yeah. Like, ugh. Oh, wow. So... Now making room for some light to come in from the door that Ross had just entered through, his eyes started to adjust a little. He heal, uh, he headed for the first room uh, closest to him, to which the door had been closed but not locked. As his eyes started to focus more and more in this bedroom, he sees two figures laying side to side on the bed covered by a sheet. Not noticing from afar, but nervously creep closer, he had realized that the two figures had a black cloth covering their heads. A couple steps closer and Ross started to realize that the cloth over the two figures wasn't just a black cloth. The cloth along with the pillows embedding under them were completely soaked in blood. Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Completely terrified by what he had just saw, Ross shakingly stumbled out of the home completely dazed and in shock from what he had just seen. Don't blame him. Immediately, he tells Mary and Ed, who had been waiting outside, to find help. So Ed literally sprints to the Villisca Town Hall a couple of miles away. So that man, uh, I can even run one mile without like losing my breath. Can you imagine what that's like? I mean, and under that kind of pressure, like, like I couldn't imagine. I might run that. a marathon or something. Oh my god! And like, keep in mind, it's like the early 1900s. So like. I mean, it wasn't like that easy yeah, you to just hop in your there. Ford, uh, yeah, you just know, hop there you know, and just hop go. in your Honda Civic. And, and I, go down the yeah, street. and I don't even think Ed, uh, I don't even think Ed had a car. So like he walked the whole way when he came and stuff. He wasn't far from the hardware store and from everything, but he was a couple blocks. He was a okay. couple miles. So, um, so yeah, and there was that. So I could only imagine I'd be freaking out myself. Yeah. Oh my god, you don't have a telephone that's just newly available to just pick that up. So. Ed goes on foot. He sprints to the Villisca Town Hall a couple miles away where he sees Marshal Henry Hank Horton and blurts out. That's a mouthful. He's a marshal, sorry. <laughs> Marshal Henry Hank is his nickname, Horton. Sorry, I should explain that at first. <laughs> You're like, whoa, that's, that's a name. Like, All right. <laughs> so he sees this marshal and he blurts out. You're needed at Joe Moore's house right now. So the two shortly after making it to the White House on 508 East 2nd Street also were met with Josiah's other brother, Mary Moore. Or sorry, not Mary. uh, Harry Moore. I don't know why I said that. I think it's because I was the same Mary. So Harry had also been notified by Ross and they had all just pulled up. There, all three were met with Mary and Ross, who had been waiting over at Mary's house. Don't blame them. It's probably, like, really freaky over there at the other house. Wouldn't want to do it. So when Marshall Horton asks, what's the trouble, Ross? Ross replies, I'm afraid something awful happens, and I want you to go in and see. So Marshall Horton reluctantly creeps into the home, bringing Ed along with him, which I 
think it's a pretty safe precaution because I wouldn't want to go into a house where someone's like... Where you just may have... Like, you saw two... Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> if not, the cop, the whole squad's coming. Yeah. You know, we're not taking chances know. out here. I don't know. Who would not catch me? I need to turn the lights on immediately. Damn, that's why we're called when the lights go out now. <laughs> that was a cheesy joke. <laughs> we got like oh, go night lights and stuff though. Like, right? Oh, trust <laughs> me, we would definitely need light I have lights for this. Yeah. Flashlights. Wait, do you really? Yeah, yeah, I can't. I have night lights. They're mainly for the cat, but for the cats, because I come home late, but. Oh shit. No, I, I also leave them when I come home late. So Marshall Horton and Ed head into the north bedroom on the first floor where Ross had also earlier scoped out. Inside the room, they see nothing but darkness in front of them. And unfortunately, around this time, electricity just wasn't super well known, especially in farming areas like this. So, I mean, I think this family just specifically used a lot of lanterns and candles and things like that. They did use a lot yeah. of like lighting kind of things. So I think that's another reason why it was so dark in the house at the time. I mean, you said this was like... 19, early 1900s. Yeah, like 19, I mean, yeah. the fact that the it's guy seen, had to run... Yeah. The town hall, not uh, the police station, you know, kind of gives it away. Uh, and just like putting, yeah. putting myself in this whole situation, it's just like, oh, uh, I would be so stressed out. I would be so stressed out. Like, imagine being a marshal of a town where nothing ever happens, and then this just happens, and you're like, what the fuck do what, I do? What can you do? Shit, I like, wasn't trained on this. I wasn't trained, literally. They they literally, at the time, weren't trained on this stuff. Like, There's probably so many murders back then, just like, that just went on. just like, yeah. nobody knows about, because like, yeah, stab someone, and you just, fuck off oh and yeah spoiler alert yeah power the other way and you're free spoiler for this one this is unsolved i don't know if everyone knows that but unfortunately this does yeah oh this case gives me the shiver oh my god oh it's one of those cases that will stick with you for i feel like a minute because it's just like like something about people like either forcefully entering your house or already being in your house that's just so freaking creepy to me that ooh, but and in this manner you're kind of like like in this day and age you're like how do they not solve yeah like how is this still unsolved and it's still on yeah we'll get there we'll get there so like i said when they get inside the room they see nothing but darkness in front of them and unfortunately around this time like i said electricity wasn't a thing sorry that was still on my notes so the marshal had um lit a match and walks in further through the dim light he sees on the bed the form of the two bodies covered in the, uh, by a bed sheet, only unveiling both of their heads that have been covered by a bloody cloth. Marshall Horton removes the bloody cloths, revealing what looked to be two young girls that were bludgeoned to death. Horrendously, like, horrendously bludgeoned to... Ugh, okay. So instantly hit with shock, understandably, the marshal had ran to the window to let in more light and sees that the two small girls had been so badly bludgeoned that they had no recognizable facial features. It was that bad. They both had been beyond mutilated. At the foot of the bed sat an oil lamp and right across from the foot of the bed, sitting up against the wall, sit a large single bitted axe. 
oh my god, the way you guys are looking at me. Like, <laughs> it's just, even though I know the story, it's like, it's how still can you not so, be speechless? I get like, so messed up. I'm getting like a little like lump in my throat just like reading it because it's just like so heavy. And I'm like, damn. Like, like if you really think about it, like, and I don't even want to, to be honest. It's like, horrendous. To, like, yeah. Think about it. And that's the thing with these stories. It's like, you know, we hear them all the time and yeah. all that kind of stuff. There's so many movies Especially and stuff. Especially when you go in depth with but them. But, like, when you, you really hear think, it? like, another human being, like... Doing this to two girls, like, oh, my young God. Young girls, kids. Young girls, yeah. It's terrible. Oh, my gosh. Huh, so... <clears throat> Of course, <laughs> I would have too. Ed Sully had gotten super ill from the side of this, and don't blame him. Yeah. So he went back outside and waited for uh, the marshal to come back out, and Marshall had continued to walk through. The next place to check was the second floor. The stairwell to the second floor was narrow and very dark like the rest of the house, and Marshall Horton had been so frantic from just seeing those two girls and he was just so terrified that he was kind of struggling to focus on striking more matches. But he managed to, he managed to, and eventually he reached the, to the top, and that led to another bedroom. This time, it was the homeowner's bedroom of Josiah and Sarah Moore. This is also very, very brutal. Upon entering the bedroom and finding the blinds to dry, uh, draw them open, Morton had found Joe and Sarah, and sorry, I call him Joe because that's shorter. Josiah Joe went by both. Mm -hmm. He found Joe and Sarah lying lifeless in their bed. Like the first two victims on the first floor, the two had their faces covered with discarded clothing or cloth. Although insane to even comprehend, these two had been hacked way worse than like the two ha the first two had it had been done with vengeance i'm telling you guys the covering of the face is pretty interesting too that is that's something and then there's another piece to something being covered up which i don't want to like kind of want to braid a lead on that but um yeah we'll talk kind of wait like we'll talk oh yeah maybe i can wait but like yeah. i want to it's so interesting though like why yeah okay so I'll what I think, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, I want <laughs> to hear it. Later when you unveil the other thing. The other thing. So their heads were also terribly hacked so badly that there were barely heads there. It was literally that bad. Just fragments of bloody bone and flesh laying in the bed. And the blood had been sprayed all throughout the room. It was very vicious. Gary. Morton, who at this point is probably shitting himself, <laughs> I know I would, gained the ability to keep going in hopes to find that the four children may have been shown mercy. Gee, that's why he's a marshal. <sighs> yeah, I couldn't so do much. that. I couldn't do it. But unfortunately, Morton's worry would become reality. All four of the Moore children have been hacked to death. Again, whoever this killer had Ben had placed an article of clothing over their heads, covering what was truly more terrifying. Catherine, the 10-year-old, was lying dead on the couch in the southwest corner of the room. Herman, who was 11, had been found dead face down on his stomach on a cot in the northeast corner of the, uh, the room. And both Boyd, who was 7, and Paul, who was 5, had shared the corner bed where they had both lied also brutally murdered later to the corner would suggest that the blows to the kids heads 
had been the easiest for the killer because their skulls were unfortunately still maturing. So their skulls were more caved in with less blows, if that makes sense, than Sarah yeah, and yeah, Josiah. So softer, softer skulls. skulls, so didn't take a lot. Oh, which is so scary to think about. So I'll move on. Uh, but like I said, in that case, hopefully they didn't suffer too long. Oh, hey, girl. She said, what? <laughs> What's she doing over here? What were you petting? So I know uh, Bree's cats today. It's a full moon tonight, and Bree's cats have been on something. They, like, flip personalities. I think it's Freaky Friday or something. It is. It's, like, literally, I'm telling you guys. Bunny, my angel, is, like, being bad tonight, and then boo, my That's devil. That's so is weird. Good. Bunny is always so quiet. She was ripping the bats off of... Breeze walls and I'll say no yeah, please it was in our it was in our old little pod no. closet yeah, <laughs> yeah. god uh, that was a nice little ice that was a nice little nice breaker that was a nice little uh what's the word caveat yeah <laughs> break up the scary break up the scary in this episode yeah I don't blame you I don't blame myself thank you bun for interrupting thank you bun for interrupting and giving us this nice little palette cleanser that's what i like bunny and cats for because they truly are like such a a nice yeah like a nice ground like something to ground yourself when you're like <laughs> um seriously because i'm reading the story myself and i'm shaking in my boots and i'm like oh gosh no, like, if you're at home listening i'm sorry if this is so scary his eyes were cut off her ears were cut meow and right back there he's right back there, he's he's right back there. Yeah, i love it it's like it's like a Deep breath, you know? Alright, don't hate me. I'm gonna pull you guys back in. You can't go anywhere. Sorry. We're still here. Alright. <laughs> so, where were we? Okay, so, yeah, hopefully the children... Okay, we're, we're there. We're moving on. Okay, so, from here, Ross could recount seeing the marshal exiting the house. He was so pale and shaken that he struggled to let out his next words, which were, quote, My God, Ross. There's somebody murdered in every bed. Unquote. Side note, you may be wondering who the two girls were that were found in the house um, on the first floor. That we'll get to, I promise. Um, but yeah, they did have four children. They didn't have two more. So I was going to ask, because when you said about the, all these yeah. children in the upstairs bedroom, I was like, wait the math ain't math. I'm also kind of, yeah, the math ain't math. And, yeah, <laughs> I'm also kind of, bur I'm burning the lead on that too, but I'll get there. Okay. I promise. I promise. So like I said, no Midwestern town had ever prepared to see the day an entire family would be all murdered in the middle of the night like that. It was unheard of, but only within hours, this town would catch word, bringing everyone into massive hysteria. Understandably, many that were nearby the neighbors or sorry, nearby the Moors had remained scared and horrified, which I don't blame you. Imagine your fucking neighbor getting butchered their whole family getting butchered but not necessarily the whole town had had so much empathy prior to the nosy residents and outsiders making their move to the home of where these people have been murdered local doctors had the opportunity to come examine the bodies and crime scene but not much time was given before a stampede of random people and locals had come snooping around one of the first doctors that initially came to uh, investigate the scene was a man named Dr. Clark Copper. Dr. Copper was able to come to the house. He lifted the bodies and let them fall to test the state of rigor mortis. 
this state uh this test alone showed dr copper that the estimation of the victim's murder had been around eight to nine to nine hours before the family had been found which would mean that the family had been killed around midnight that night before it was also evident to dr uh, copper and marshall horton that the killer really went out of their way to make sure that there were no onlookers by covering up every single window of the home. But not only, but the killer strangely did a poor job of attempting to clean up their tracks. And I'll get to what they found in a minute around the house. Oh, actually, I'll get to that now. Sorry, it's my next note. <laughs> so, for instance, there was a basin found filled with murky, bloody water in the kitchen, indicating to the, butter tr- uh, the killer tried to possibly rinse off their hands before leaving. And under the downstairs uh, bed in the bedroom, they had found a bloody union suit that was stashed under the bed. And it was found that that was used to clean the ax, even though the, the ax was found still with copious amounts of flesh, blood, and hair attached to it. And on top of this, there have been some very bizarre findings around the house in addition. So one, and this one I didn't put in my notes, but I did remember this just off the top of my head. Well, first I'll say this. The dresser mirror in the first floor bedroom was covered by a dark cloth, which I think, Brie, I think we were kind of getting to that at first. One of the mirrors, or at least two of the mirrors, one upstairs and one downstairs, were covered by a cloth, which is weird. Why would a killer put a towel or a cloth over a mirror when so that's weird i don't know and that's also like, superstition so no like well it could be but my theory is just that like he didn't want to see his reflection while he when was he was doing, doing it, it he didn't want to see the aftermath of what they looked like Woof. after there's he that but like, it is actually superstition that like that brings the dead back mirrors he would be haunted for the rest mirrors of his fucking life by that family Oh my but God. that's only if there's like two mirrors across from each other. It's like a portal. That is true. Yeah. Wow. So that would make sense. Maybe the person was superstitious. The other thing too was he did this to the faces too. So maybe was that in conjoined to the reason why he maybe put like a Maybe I'm getting ahead of my... Maybe I should finish this story. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's theories. Yeah. Okay. We're like in deep too. Oof. Oof. Okay. So that would all happen. So there was that. And oddly in the same room, they found a three pound slab of bacon. Oh. Just chilling against the wall next to the axe. Um. Yeah. Just, just, just chilling. And apparently in addition with that, which this part I didn't put in my notes, but they did find that the man or whoever had done this literally ate their food before he had walked out. They had found bloody, like bloody prints walking out of the house so this man literally i don't know if he ate with them i don't i don't know but like i mean they killed them and then had like a bacon egg and cheese and died it's crazy but the thing is why was the bacon in the room you would think did he go back to the room to like finish the, uh, like what or like the worked up an appetite that's so and bizarre ate something and then dipped and it's just like weird though because it's like and we'll get to this Wait, was the bacon then, on but, the first floor or the second first floor it was found on the first floor in the bedroom when they first found the axe so it was close closest near the axe yeah that's weird and it's wait, just like so what it was cooked or uncooked it was cooked it was cooked i mean that's pretty- actually wait i even say the last part they have found a um larger part of the 
like bacon, I guess. Okay, this is my thing. It said bacon, but I'm wondering if it meant ham. Because the reason I say that is because they said they found a bigger piece of the bacon um, from uh, an electric piece in a, a kitchen pantry. So... Maybe it's just like what they would cut the bacon out of, like maybe okay. meat like, or something. Because three pounds of cooked bacon that's would like, be like that's a lot a of slab bacon. Of it. Yeah. Like that's not, but bacon's so, not and, like a slab, you know? Like you can't yeah. cook a slab. Of that's bacon. what I was thinking. Maybe it is ham. Like so maybe it's ham, like and they just add bacon. Yeah. Or, yeah. Right? Maybe ham, yeah. Okay. Let us know, Idaho residents. Is that a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys call it bacon? Yeah, hey, that was in the book. Yeah, I don't know. That was weird. But I think it was probably ham or something but yeah and that's just weird like why the f- i mean it's still it's still weird as hell Either but we saw that gonna meet- that was in one of our older cases in um uh, uh 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 richard ramirez where he had decided to eat before he had eventually left the house and it's just like it's not a cocky thing do you think he could get away with it is that why so let, we can get more to that at the end but i'll i'll keep going um so one note to also make is Marshall Horton found underwear belonging to a female under the first floor bedroom, which he immediately deemed sexual assault. Now, after checking, it did appear that one of the girls had, and I think it was the older one of the two, who had their underwear removed. But Dr. Copper had inspected and deemed that there had been no evidence of sexual assault or rape, which isn't that the coroner's kind of job but that's just me i don't know now dr copper wasn't really worried about all of this though dr copper was more anxious to be the first to spread the news about the murders and i kid you not this guy's an asshole so sorry dr copper is not the one he's not the one to help us here (laughs) i'm sorry i'm laughing because it's like really fucked up not because i'm it's funny i'm sorry but you guys know what really drives me crazy about this case? And mm-hmm. it's probably the reason why this case was never solved in the first place. Hmm. Immediately the moment that onlookers and, and like just people of the town had come to the house, they just invaded the house and contaminated the whole entire scene. Dude. The entire crime scene. No one was there to tie this crime scene down. Of this whole entire family and their friends that had been murdered. House, yeah. Like, I just can't fathom how that would just sweep by so easily. But yeah, this happens. You can't make this shit up. The killer could have been there. The killer could... That's, I was just going to say that. The killer could have been there the whole be time. We wouldn't have known. Were they that cocky? Who knows? But that comes into a play with things you figure out about a little later. So I'm going to keep going again. But again i think i'm kind of getting ahead of myself this is i'm getting all excited oh my god so for one marshall horton had wait where was i fuck um oh in addition to this too um for one marshall horton before the scene was contaminated by others he senselessly picked up the axe and brought it upstairs with him why i don't know and i kid you not the marshall picked up the axe and just took it the crime scene, you're um, oh, so they're handling it so poorly. They're ha- they, yeah, they handle this case very badly. So they also really fucked up the measurements of the killer swing, which does doesn't seem like a huge swing, but I guess at point view, I guess it could be really helpful. When the murderer descended the axe into each victim, the force of the swing was so powerful that the murderer struck the ceiling, leaving lines of plaster in the beds and on the floor. But they never looked into this precise measurement, and they only just guessed about maybe he 
did it this way or maybe he did it that way. This I, I get it was a long time ago, but they could have this could have helped hone in on who could have done it. Now the only thing I can say is that from a synopsis, they concluded that the murderer was left-handed. So when I get to the suspects, maybe that makes sense, but feel like they could have still do a little more if they put the work into it and they didn't have everybody and their mother walk into this house and but mind you the bodies are still there by this time like people are walking through this house and people are st- like these people are still there like lifeless and so butchered. disrespectful it's, it's just so like how do you do that like i don't care what uh, oh my at god at that time though they were into a lot of weird shit because they didn't have any like entertainment oh yeah they did really, yeah they wasn't there like podcasts. a lot of like so uh, there's a lot of like hanging like public hangings or like uh oh yeah they so like, mummy, yeah. like mummy and people would go stuff. yeah they have those like them. i've heard about these too they have these scenes called i don't know these are these were here in america but i know they were a thing in europe where they had morgue museums or something so you could actually go to like these museums and just look at the like walk around and just look at people in morgue it's like oh yeah no 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 they just have them sitting out and then they'd have also like once somebody died they'd take like a picture of them like they were alive like yeah that that creeps something about that and they're just like oh no no it's so creepy so although what I found more interesting was that Marshall Horton suggested that the killer return to the Jos- uh, to Josiah and Sarah's room twice. Sarah's house shoes were left by her bed, and one had been filled with just blood inside of it, tons of blood inside of it, but it was dried. It was, well, it was more dried than what he had found on the sole of the foot. Um, so it was turned upside down. And the blood on the bottom of the sole was more fresh. So he was pretty much just saying that it seemed that the killer had maybe struck them and maybe thought she was dead. And then he had her, her maybe gasping or something. And then he came back to finish her off or he never left the room. Ugh! again, uh, it gives me chills to no end. Dr. Clock Copper really did nothing good for this case, like I had said. So at some point, he just just up, ended up leaving. But beforehand, uh, he had went upstairs and literally just gave Joe and Sarah a courtesy glance and basically just said, "Yeah, they're they're axed," and then just looked at the kids and said, "Yeah, them too. They were dead a while ago." Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's all he said, and just decided to leave. Ultimately, it took. Dr. Copper only 15 minutes to examine this house. And he eagerly just needed to tell the crowd after he had come out the house, boys, my God, don't come in here. You'll regret it in the longest day you'll ever live. And that was when the entire group of people just decided to filter throughout the house. Never say less. And treated it like a goddamn tourist attraction. Yeah. But like Bree had said, it was the... I mean, it doesn't say it's right, but it was the early 1900s. People were brought out their minds. Yeah. According to official witnesses, it suggested that there were at least 100 people that had walked through this house. <laughs> 100 fucking people. 45 minutes to an hour later, around noon, a second doctor arrived. And this was um, Dr. Frank S. Williams. We can rely on him a little better, which is good. 
Dr. Williams had arrived post-contaminated scene, but he still did help to solve a couple more details about the murders. The two females in the first level bathroom weren't deemed sexually assaulted from him, either through um, either from the older or the younger of the two girls. But it did seem that one of the older girl, the older girl of the two, it seemed that she had maybe struggled or squirmed a little prior to her bludgeoning. She had a couple drops of blood on her inner thigh, and she had a couple bruises too that may have inflicted that she was possibly waking up or something right when that happens. So two Bibles have been have been laying on a nearby dresser that helped unveil who these two girls were. Because of their names, their names have been engraved inside the Bible, so they figured out that way. These girls were sisters, uh, 12-year-old Lena and 8-year-old Ina Stillinger. Mm-hmm. These two girls were sisters, and they were the daughters of a local farmer, Jill Stillinger. After another inspection of Mr. Moore's room, Dr. Williams also found that the two indeed suffer the worst, and it appeared that the murderer had also the murderer, sorry, had also scooped brain matter from jo- Josiah's head after being beaten to a pulp. Oh my God. But what Dr. Williams didn't also know was at the time, right before he had got there, the integrity of the scene had been messed up, which he knew that. But he didn't know that someone had taken a piece of Josiah's skull for a keepsake. Oh what the fuck? God. Someone literally took a piece of his skull for a keepsake. I kid you not. That's sick. I hope Josiah hunted that guy down until the end of the earth. Because yeah, what okay. the hell? That's sick. I understand being uh, interested, but Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. So while this madness had been happening at the Moore's home, a little earlier that morning around 10 a.m., the parents of Lena and Ina Stillinger were getting very worried about where their daughters were. They had actually no idea that they were staying at the Moore's house that night. Oh, shit. Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Stillinger had planned for their two daughters to attend church in town that Sunday, stay the night over their grandmother's home that night, and then walk home the next morning with their school teacher. Unfortunately for the two girls, their granny had been very ill that day, so instead they decided to spend the afternoon with the Moore's children. And they convinced Josiah and Sarah Moore to spend the night at their house. That's Damn. when yeah, it <laughs> that it's just like bad timing. bad timing, really bad timing. That's when that next morning, the school teacher scrambled to figure out where the girls were. She tried ringing the Morris home because the girls were best friends with Catherine Moore. As it rang, the town's operator answered, informing her, quote, they're all dead over there, unquote. No sugarcoating. No sugarcoating it at all. Oh, so it's truly insane how quick the word had spread that one day, because this is all one day of discovering these murders, eventually more and more distant and close relatives of the Moors would be messaged about the deaths and to come down to the home to, for further information, but only hurt more because by the time they had come to the house, they just watching a circus show of people just coming and rampaging around this house. Order was finally set in place at some point, which is nice, um, by County Sheriff, I think it's O.E. Jackson. And he arrived and wanted to really focus on finding the son of a bitch that had done this to this group of people. 
Throughout the day, mobs formed and searched for any leads to help police trail to who had done this, but nothing was found. Other groups formed to discuss theories, but mostly kind of just just had told rumors about what was going on and who had done it, which really just befuddled the whole entire investigation, if anything. Ross Moore at Lenders and a close friend of theirs um, by the name of AJ had actually had such loss that they went to a psychic in Red Oak named Auntie Hamilton. They got a little information out of her based on these murders and what happened here. But I guess depending who you tell, it could or could have been helpful. So using murky coffee grounds to foretell I guess the fortune, which is kind of reminding me of Harry Potter again. <laughs> um, she had said that there was a local Villisca citizen that had killed the family and friends, which, okay. But she had also told them that it was expected that the bloodhounds would fail to find the killer, but they would come close to it, which ironically did seem, didn't seem too far from the truth. So not too long after this, bloodhounds were given the scent from wiping the cloth of uh, the killer that, that the cloth that killer had used or the to union. Wipe, wipe themselves yeah. down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they did use that. And the two bloodhounds, police and a coroner and a small mob had moved west along a road north of the Moore's house. Eventually, where the scent had stopped was at the three-story mansion of a man named Frank Jones. See? Huh. So let's get into the suspects. There's two. So I found mostly all this from All That's Interesting, and I thought this was really interesting just to tell. Um, I don't want to go too much into depth. I guess it can go on forever. It's such a big case. But um, the first suspect was Frank Jones. So Frank Jones was a local businessman who had been in a competition with Josiah Moore for years. Josiah Moore had worked for Jones seven, for seven years at a farm um, in equipment sales and business and stuff like that. But eventually he had started his own business, which was the hardware store. So like he had said, kind of, I think towards the beginning, he had competition, which is kind of a thing in a small town. You have competition. That could be bad. Just be on me, you know? Yeah, it's like every it's, man it's, for himself. Yeah, so people all over the town knew these two did not exactly get along in the best way. There was also a rumor, some tea here, that Josiah was having an affair with the Joneses' daughter-in-law. Though reports were not concrete about this evidence, but if that's true, then, oh my God, Josiah, the father, was having an affair with... Yeah. I don't know. That's crazy. So maybe I don't Come know. On, I don't. Yeah. Get it together, buddy. So the townspeople insisted that Frank had been behind this. They insisted the Moors and the Joneses did not like each other, and they harbored a deep hatred for each other. Though no one had really gone the length of, to really deem in on Frank Jones and his family. So unfortunately, it's just kind of we don't know about that but it seems like a, a very strong suspect i mean it's speculation but it like, gives I mean, it gives reason for cause but it doesn't unfortunately they didn't have the material to be like 
you know, we can't convict you of anything. It's really hard back then, I would imagine, right? So, I mean, there's no proof. There's no proof. It was no just proof. hearsay, and people and were like, just saying, oh, I, I think it was him, because they had this feud between families, and there's all this chaos and gossip around and it. And there's so, so many feuds, there's so many competition, but, like, that doesn't mean you're going to... Ex a whole family. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, a, and a lot of people are saying, like, why would, you know, this one man who had maybe a little competition for a hardware store got his He was obviously kill still doing well for himself. For himself. He right? had a three story mansion. So yeah. why would he do this? And then, you know, go on to butcher his entire family and not even his entire family, other kids that were staying there. Like, that's just so bizarre. A lot of unsolved mysteries. Like, it all comes down to, like, pointing fingers. Pointing fingers, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it's all pointing fingers. But it's still interesting, though, because why were the bloodhounds drawn to that spot? Yeah, so that is, like, really sketchy. That's really sketchy. And the fortune teller said that beforehand. So isn't that, like, that just gives me chills. Yeah. But that's really chilling. Like, Coincidence, hmm. that's for sure. But. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I no. Please go on. I was gonna say like, I mean, there's always things like that, and like, I don't know if you guys heard that story about the expert in from Florida. Yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And went through the neighbor's yard, oh, right? Yeah. But like, you know, I'm not gonna again. See it tonight. Like, if someone's <laughs> observing that, or someone knows there's that feud, you know, you could easily, you could easily just walk through that kind of property, leave that evidence leave the remnants yeah and then just go about your way yeah that's like, true it's almost like quote-unquote the perfect crime you know oh, you're like passing on that damn plane. and i think today like how would you get away you couldn't get away with that oh no no like no. there's so many fucking cameras in this world now everybody on a ring doorbell no, you, you on cctv <laughs> girl or at least on a ring doorbell no or someone's like making a tiktok like dancing yeah everyone's and, like, everywhere in the now. back like oh you know, it reminds like, me of the TikTok murders when people, oh, we're going to talk about that case at some point. You have to be here for that. It's a really good one. Is that that? It's about the kids that found a bag using an app from TikTok. They, oh, uh, they, it took them, yeah. Oh, was, I haven't heard this one, so. It's so long. creepy. I gotta hear this oh my one. God. But we're going on. I'm sorry. I'm getting, we're going off course. I have one more, one more suspect. And this suspect is also pretty compelling. So this suspect's name is Lynn George Jacqueline Kelly. Now, Lynn was an English immigrant. He had a history of sexual deviancy and mental health problems. He, uh, he even admitted to being in town the night of the Villisca Axe murders and attempted, uh, sorry, and admitted that he had left early that morning. Though his small stature and meek personality led to some doubt and involvement, there were certain factors police had believed made him maybe the perfect candidate for this. Mm. So Kelly was left-handed. So there's that. Um, which police determined from the blood spatters, I mean, that he was also left-handed. He also had a history with the Moore family. Hey, why? I know. Many had seen him watching the family at church in and about town. So this was leading up to their murders. Mm, like observing them? Observing them. That's creepy because you really Very have to be staring for fucking, people to notice. Yeah. Like you have and like, like for, ugh. oh my God. Okay. And he reportedly asked police for access to the home after the crime while posing as a Scotland Yard officer. Mm, so he's lying. Oh, he crazy. Oh my god. That's out of pocket. I'm like, that's crazy. Okay, yeah. Scotland Yard, in like Iowa. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm from Scotland oh, Yard. Yeah, I didn't even like think about didn't think that. Think about either. that. How far it is? Like, yeah. Hello? Hello? Like, that just gives me the so heaps. The pond. Ooh, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I don't like this guy, Lynn. Mm, he's very strong as a suspect. And at one point, after a long interrogation, he eventually signed a confession detailing the crime. However, immediately recanted it, mm. and the jury refused to indict him. Oh my God. Whoever this murderer was, years and years and years had gone into attempt to solve this case, and many investigators had used the scene of the home to still con- uh, collect any evidence that people may have missed, such as the attic. An investigator later on had suggested that whoever killed this family may have been living in the house the entire time. I know Bree had the, uh, you have, I don't know if this was already in this episode or this was beforehand, but I think he had said something about how this killer may have been living in the home the entire time, which is why a lot of the, yeah, oh my God. And what led to reason to believe about this was because there wasn't bloody footprints, but there were footprints that were bigger than the, um, anyone in the home that were found in the attic. Scary. Scary as fuck. So does that mean someone the whole time, maybe before, and I didn't say this before, but that night when the um, family, that night the family wasn't home. The family was coming back from church, from a service. I think it was something like that or an event. They were coming home that night. And that's when they had had the two girls with them because they're hanging out with Catherine and they came home. So there's a good chance that the killer could have been home the entire time. On the top of that, and I didn't put these in my notes either, but um, they had also found out that the keys were never found to the house. So that means, in, a ten- in, in addition, that the killer had taken the keys, but they never found where the keys went. That might also um, give a little clarity on the food thing. If the food was thing. living there, like they someone had been living there, possibly. You know? Oh they would, my god! They would feel comfortable making the ham or the bacon because yeah. they had been living there. They've been doing like, it for a while. Yeah. yeah. So and didn't they, they also like finish up some chores or some crazy? Yeah, they're like yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like they actually did a little bit of the chores up. around the house. Yeah, they did a little bit of the some of the chores around the house too, which. It seemed like they cleaned a little, at least. That's what it said. Yeah. So that, uh, all of this just gives me, like, the best, the worst anxiety. (laughs) The best anxiety. The worst anxiety ever. I I personally have this huge phobia of someone living in my house and not knowing it. I think that is just very, I don't know, something about someone living in your house annoyingly. And I don't know if you heard about that one case about, um, they made it into a show. I think it was Ryan Murphy who made it into um, a show called The... Watcher, he heard about that. I mean, that's an actual story. Yeah, it is an actual yeah. story. Yeah, you, you guys ever seen that one movie? Um, God, what's it called? It's like it's like one of my favorite horror movies of all time. It's by a Japanese director, I believe. Oh, um, are you talking about James Wan? Uh, are you talking about like the one that everyone was talking about it's mm-hmm. a one word it's one word yeah like there's this dude hiding in the house it's a crazy movie what the fuck it's the oh you're talking about the boy about, right? no no not that. no 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 the <laughs> boy is funny parasite parasite oh if yeah, you guys yeah, yeah, have not yeah. watched parasite it is oh my god i forgot about that movie freaking incredible yeah this is that I've parasite three yeah. times and i loved this, it yeah time. this case gives me like parasite vibes but like it kind of 
Yeah. It really is. Like, yeah. based on that. You know, I'm not going to say anything else in case you guys haven't watched, but. No, it's a good movie. If you guys haven't watched it, you've had, like, what, five, six years to watch it? Go watch it's it. It's still incredible. It's great. It's great. Go watch it. But um, that's not all, because I have a couple ghosts to talk about. So I had done a little more digging because I had some time on my hands. And um, if you guys don't know, today, the Villisca Axe Murder House is currently still there. And everything is still in the same, same place. The only thing that's different is that the murder scenes were cleaned up. I would hope so. Yeah. Um, so if that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what does. But I had done um, just some watching of like different episodes of like BuzzFeed. I think uh, Shane and Ryan had done a BuzzFeed episode on this case at the Villisca house. And they actually stayed there overnight. And on top of the already creepy story, um, they added that after the murder, uh, after the murders, there was a caretaker of the home named Johnny Hauser. He had been upstairs one night in the house alone, and he had later said, quote, I'm up in the kids' room, and I locked the kitchen door, so, uh, and I locked the kitchen door so nobody could walk in. And as I'm up there, somebody walks into the house. Scary. He initially thought this was someone trespassing, so he wanted to give him a little scare. And so he hid in the children's closet, which I think is still creepy, but he hid in the children's closet and waited until the footsteps led up until the room that he was in and then he jumped out to scare them and when he did there was no one there scary nope after checking the entire house no one had been there scary. or so he thought Oof. god i picked a great night for this oh my god okay and so uh, during another episode, uh, well, during that episode specifically, they were doing um, like an EVP session and they got sounds of girls screaming, which horrendously terrifying. And I also got a recording of a man saying, quote, hard to stop, which. Scary. <laughs> also very creepy, like hard to stop. What the fuck does that mean? Like. Ugh, I don't know. I don't want to know. Ah, and so they had also um, did a little flashlight trick to see if the kids could like turn off the flashlights or whatever. And it actually worked. It was kind of beaming, which is also creepy to me. In a paranormal investigation that I watched with uh, paranormal investigator Dave Charter, they had talked about how he also caught a EVP of a girl screaming and crying and he played it. It's so clear. It's so fucking creepy and chilling. I'm not even sure I want to hear it. I, I don't suggest. I don't suggest you guys looking it up. That sounds yeah, disturbing. No, don't. <laughs> it's it's really gut wrenching and it's really scary. The crazy thing about those things is like if you watch like if you're a big BuzzFeed Unsolved fans, like yeah. we are, like a lot of the times like you can call these machines and devices that use BS, but a lot of times they don't do anything. Yeah. No, they. And yeah. To hear something clear like should that. Should we at some point? It's should we like? No, 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 no! I'm not gonna do that. No, 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 no. We going to that Northville and Southland? No, 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 God, uh, no, God, oh, I couldn't even imagine. No, I'm so fucking chicken. I couldn't. No. But I kind of want to go to the Villisca house. I don't like during the day. Like I would want to go and see it. I'd go during the day. Maybe you should make a cute. I keep saying that we should make a cute trip and make it happen. Let's pick one. Let's yeah. pick a house, go to it, have a cute little road trip. 
Fair for now, right. at night, I like this little table, though. This is fine. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not I'm not going anywhere. I'm good. No, I'm, I'm good. Going. But, yeah, guys, I, that is the case of the Velisca Axe murders, and I hope I did okay on that, that case. There's so much, so much uh, outward stuff, because there's so many different moving parts. That's the thing about this case. There's so many different people that got involved in this case that did not get need to get involved. First of all, the fucking hunter different people that decided to raid this house. Dr. Cooper. Oh, Dr. Copper. Copper yeah. Fucker. Like, who does that? Who just goes into a room and you're like, well, they're dead. Yeah. And it's such an intense, disturbing case. It's a very disturbing case. I'm like, sorry, guys, if that got a little much, but... Like, even uh, if it was solved, it would still be like... It, oh, my what? God. You know, oh like, it's God. akin to, you know... Um, Something about even knowing who the murderer is, it just gives me more creepy vibes. Because it's like, who does this to children not unless anyone but like children like these are little kids and they just went on living their lives after yeah it goes on to five years old and they just did this to innocent people like and no matter what the and if and if Josiah did have an affair or something that doesn't give anyone a right to kill somebody guys like oh my god it's brutal 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 case but um, that, that takes us to the end of that. This is, I think, probably one of our longest episodes, which I kind of wanted. Wanted to make it special for our 30th birthday. No, it's not. <laughs> We're not even, we passed our age. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, thank you for being here, Simon. It's been a pleasure. No, thank you for having me. I'm really proud of what you guys have done. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you. To be part of this episode. Yeah. Brie, you better treat him right. Oh my God. Stop. I do. I <laughs> no, I know you do. I, I, I love you guys. I love you. Keep your hands off my man. I would never. Wink, wink. Oh my God. What do you mean you would <laughs> Tee No. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I get it. Oh my God. Real quick before we go, a little anecdote to leave you guys off on. I said that right, right? Yeah. Anecdote. <clears throat> um, Today I posted a picture. I don't know if you guys know, but the Barbie movie is coming out, right? Yeah, I saw the picture. <laughs> <laughs> you guys see the picture? Okay. I did. Anywho. <laughs> Wait, I'll show you real quick. Wait, I'll show her. Anyways. It, it was appropriate. It was so appropriate. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, okay, wait, look. <laughs> You're hilarious. <laughs> that was the all today. You're so funny for that. Um, yeah, so I posted a... Uh, I had posted a picture, and it's like an auto-generated picture of, uh, if you, I guess at the time, if you go on to the Barbie movie, like, official fan, like, page or whatever, they have a template where you can go on, put your own picture on it, and you can be, like, a cute little Barbie from the movie or whatever, and I did that for me, and you can put a little saying above you, and what did I just say? I don't even know what I said anymore. Oh, I said, this Ken is not about to play with y'all today, which I thought was just so funny. I'm a cute one. Um, <laughs> I mean, looking at the trailer, I think you might have been better than Why that. was it in this movie? Uh, like, uh, who, who was it in there? Um, There's like the half the cast of Sex ed- Education's in it. What's his name, though? Oh, I like that show. The the black who, guy from no, Sex who's, Education? No, canon in that? Oh fuck! Oh um 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 um. um, um, um. There's a lot of different Kens, but the main one, yeah. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I, he just looks weird. He's like aging i mean he's still i i mean if he was like i mean Kendall, i left like, when hey. i saw the <laughs> ellen degeneres like um, oh yeah like, that, was <laughs> that was really funny because it was it'll be interesting point. it'll be an interesting movie sorry guys i had to bring it up that way that was really funny it's more funny if you guys had seen it but unfortunately it's cool 
just remember to go onto our Instagram, follow us on there at WTLGO Podcast. Make sure to send us any of your lovely stories that you might have or anything like that. Um, and uh, addition to that, make sure to follow us wherever you're listening to us. Please tell everyone about us. Um, we will be back, and we attempt to be back on what is May 5th. May 5th thank you yeah so um market calendars for that in the meantime we're going to do some work in the background and just uh make the show better let's get brilliant with this shit and just go off woo woo that's the energy we like that's the energy we need yes. hell yeah alright y'all so take it easy stay safe out there and with that we'll see you next we got this when the light goes, goes out. out. Hell yeah. Woo. Yeah, <laughs> Woo. Yeah.